Hello and welcome to The Retail Journey. Today, we are blessed to have the one and only Sean Campbell, CEO and founder of Campbell Creative. Sean, welcome to The Retail Journey. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Charles Greathouse, and to my left, our better host, James Harris. All right, Sean, been looking forward to this one, buddy. Um, first of all, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? And then we'll we'll get to Campbell Creative. Love it. Well, first of all, what an honor to be with you two awesome blokes. <laughs> Privilege Geniuses, is ours. Retail geniuses. But Sean has listened to every single <laughs> Retail Journey podcast. This is true. As it's being made. Verified. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No, it's been awesome uh, being with you guys. Glad to be here and talk marketing, but a little bit about myself. I'm a dad of three. Uh, our house right now is a little bit like a, a hurricane. Right. Uh, we have uh, two boys, four and two, and then a newborn. And so it's a fun balance. It's like waking up to a tornado some days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun balance yeah. for those that can't yeah. see his eyes. There are tears that are there slowly are. streaming yeah. out of them. But so when the when awesome. the third when the third your 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 daughter came along was it kind of like drowning and somebody hands you a baby exactly yeah <laughs> except there I would add an element of like she will do no wrong and yeah, the right. other two I'm like yeah third we're gonna have to work on that but she They're will boys. be a princess yeah. forever but but I'm a dad I'm um, a serial entrepreneur so I enjoy um, problem solving I enjoy business I enjoy investing I enjoy helping people and, and guiding people in different ways. Um, enjoy learning. Uh, but that's kind of a core of who I am. And then, um, been married to my wife, Kaylee for 10 years. She is way smarter and better looking and just altogether a better person. Congratulations. Than I yeah. I've married up, but yeah, that's kind of a nutshell of, of a little bit about me. So that's awesome. So, uh, Campbell creative, you know, maybe, um, Tell our listeners a little bit about that, and then I'm really interested in because I don't know this your your origin story. What what was the what was the motivation? What uh, what what problems were you looking to solve? Yeah, uh, well, I got into marketing by accident. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Is uh, uh, didn't go to school for it. I actually, went to school and studied theology, hmm. um, but fell in love with marketing early. Uh, my dad. Uh, Served as a vendor to Walmart, and so grew up with that, uh, and sort of, you know, fell in love with entrepreneurship early on with lawn care as a teenager, mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, working for different businessmen that I respected and could kind of see a little glimpse of, oh, that's different than the normal nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then out of college, uh, really fell in love with marketing, like fully. Uh, gotten an, an internship with Sam's Club. And so I spent the entire summer working every department in a Sam's Club store. And it was eye-opening to just learn retail, to get thrown into the mix of how do consumers think? What's, mm -hmm. you know, how do you get things into a basket? How is it, you know, built on the end cap, all those things. And uh, just the science of marketing and storytelling, I fell in love with that. And so fast forward, um, had some time uh, in an agency, managed and worked my way up there, uh, and then uh, served as a director of marketing and PR for another uh, for a national recruiting company. And during that time, had friends that were also entrepreneurial and started um, 
you know, trying to market themselves or their small business. And since I didn't have a non-compete anymore, I started to serve them and go, sure, I'll help you build a, build a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the fun fact, the first website I ever built, I did as a trade and I did it for an AR-15. Oh, no that my buddy built me. <laughs> I don't know if that's Arkansas. For weapon. There you go. Redneck marketing. That but, is Arkansas. Uh, we did a trade, so he built me a gun. I built him a website. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just got into that and fell in love again with just how do you serve people and, and tell their story in a concise way that really just identifies with people. And, and I call it truth telling. You mm-hmm. know, how do you tell truth uh, in authentic ways? that draw people in for all the right reasons. It's not polishing a turd. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's being open, honest, transparent and marketing. And you, you know, you asked me like kind of why we started Campbell Creative, honestly, coming from, you know, the agency side, I didn't always agree with things. I, I learned a lot in that season, but one of the, one of the biggest things I really felt was a gap in marketing and agency world was just that transparency just the openness about when things go wrong, instead of blaming it on this or blaming it on that, you learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I think you may have said this on another podcast, but you reserve the right to learn from a mistake. Yeah, mm-hmm. I reserve I, the right to get smarter. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like a lot of agencies are so scared that they hide things or there's smoke and mirrors. Mm. And to me, I think if you make a mistake, that's a good thing because mm-hmm. then you're figuring out how not to do that again, or that might help you with another client down the road. Um, but anyway, so I saw this gap and, and just felt like there were some, some things that were missing and, and I felt like it was just too transactional. I felt like it mm-hmm. wasn't serving people very well. It was too cookie cutter, put in a box. And I felt like if Template. you're really serving people, especially in marketing, you have to react fast and you have to be able to be flexible and you have to be able to call an audible and, go with the flow sometimes and admit, Hey, we didn't do that. Right. But let's do this instead. Let's call, you know, it's a read option and there's a linebacker hanging out on the left side, run the other way. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, or pass the ball, whatever it takes. And so I think learning that lesson early, I I realized there needs to be more flexibility as an agency and serving the client. And then I'd say on a, on a additional level, um, and really this is kind of what separates our business a little bit is sort of this phrase called a value-based agency, mm-hmm. which to me is we want to work with brands and we want to do work that is purposeful. Mm-hmm. We want to really steward relationships with the client, with the consumer in a very healthy way. So what I mean by that is instead of how can we make fast money, it's how are we making this grow? How are we mm-hmm. making either category or this business grow in a, in a way that's truly serving what the customer needs and wants and what's best for them. Uh, and so that's, that's really, I'd say a core foundation of us. I could tell you a story about uh, a guy named Ralph, if you don't mind, I want to yeah, tell you this please. story because yeah. it's so good. Uh, a few years ago, I was kind of searching for really, again, I wanted to dis- you know disrupt and differentiate our agency and it came from an old guy named Ralph on a men's retreat <laughs> at New Life Ranch. And at the time, I was reading a book called Vivid Vision, which is a great book on how do you, you know, create the story of your company and reverse engineer from, you know, years ahead and kind of build back um, and, and advance towards what your goals are and all that. But it was kind of the perfect timing because I was really searching 
praying about what our vision needed to be. And this old guy named Ralph just drew my attention at, at New Life Ranch. Yeah. And then, uh, so I went, you know, to sit down next to him. He was by himself in a, in, you know, a rocking chair going back and forth. <laughs> First impression is I thought he was grumpy and, and mean. Complete opposite. Humble, gracious, mm. so much wisdom. And so I started asking him, like, tell me your story. Where are you from? Like, turned out he had uh, operated two Dairy Queens for more than 40 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I immediately started calling him the ice cream king, right? I was like, <laughs> you know ice cream, don't you? you know? But I began to just ask him, so how was that? Tell me, like, what would you say to a young guy like me after that experience? And he began to tell the story of how um, – when he had retired, that there were people that had been there for 35, 40 years with him wow. at a Dairy Queen. And he said that over a period of time, they had actually outperformed larger markets of Chicago and Illinois. And market managers would come from all the country to try to piece out, why are you in these small towns doing what you're doing? And he, he boiled it down to two things. And this is really where the value-based mm -hmm. core has come from in our business. He said, first thing we did as I learned that as the leader, uh, that it's my job to make everyone else successful, mm, yeah, to serve them, to lead through service. And so he gave multiple examples. He, he said, you know, we had a single mom that couldn't make rent. And so we would just pay her rent and take care of her. Or if somebody had car trouble, um, we would just help out or pitch in and do what we could to just make sure they could get to work and take care of their family. My favorite example he told, I couldn't believe this. He, he mentioned a young kid that for months had accidentally given away thousands of dollars <laughs> in the drive through window that he was calculating things in his brain oh, no. and was slowly oh, no. giving a dollar here, 20 cents here, 30. And so it, <laughs> over, oh, they didn't audit and right. There's like a chunk of money missing and they had to figure out where this was coming from. Gotta so they thought he was stealing. Right. He wasn't stealing. He was just honest and said, I made a mistake. And, but instead of firing him, uh, Ralph said they took him aside. They said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna learn from this. We're gonna learn with you through this, hmm. and we're gonna encur encourage you to do some better math, <laughs> follow the <laughs> systems and protocol we have in place. But really, we're gonna we're gonna humanize this instead of you're not a you're not just a check mark on our our you know franchise. You are a piece of our puzzle that is crucial to our success." Mm -hmm. And we want you to be successful. And through your success, we know you're going to take care of our team and our restaurant and all that. Turns out, so this young man is now the CEO of a corporation oh, and wow. he leads 500 people. Mm -hmm. And so Ralph's telling me these stories. I'm like, this is unreal. Like, wow. can I legacy. steal this? Right. So that, so he said that was point number one is, you know, how do I serve my team and make them successful in and outside of business? and then outside of our restaurant. And, and he said, the, the number two thing is I read my Bible and I applied everything I could see from the Bible to our business. Hmm. And so after that experience with Ralph, I was like, can I please steal this? <laughs> and uh, that's kind of become the core of our agency is really serving people radically. Um, another kind of phrase I've coined is obsessive excellence. Hmm. And I'm learning how to do that more and more of, of, Maybe it's not always we get every detail right, but we're getting the purpose right. Mm -hmm. And that I feel is what sets us apart is like, we may not make all the money possible, but we're doing it in the best way. Yeah, We have a clean conscience. We know that our customers are well-served. And so 
I know I'm super passionate. I'm preaching a sermon right no, now. That's great. But these are kind of the things that I feel like set us apart. And really, now that I've been in this for years, um, I'm I'm incredibly committed to and have had to learn the process of saying no to things that are outside of our model and going, that's not a good fit. Yeah, we can make good money here, but this doesn't check the box of making our team successful. Yeah, speaking of past mistakes, that's been my most repeated <laughs> mistake is saying yes when I should have said Yeah, that. I'm still um, learning that. And I, 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 we, you know, Charles and I know you well and, uh, or have gotten to know you well anyway, and uh, we'll share for the sake of people listening that you've been working with high impact with our, with our firm uh, either into last year, first of this year. And, and you are different. There is something that sets you all mm-hmm. apart. Um, the, the, there's, there's no sense of we're doing this for you. It, it feels like you've integrated you and your team into our team. Um, and I mean, any given day of the week, I'm going to walk by an office or a conference room, and you or somebody in your team sitting there working on something for us. And one of the one of the biggest benefits that I've taken away from it so far is uh, story brand. Like you introduced that concept of story brand to me. Love me some story. Um, brand. Yeah. So you know, give us uh, like what um, that uh, it's also it's obviously a value uh, creating um, mode of marketing. And it's a, not a look at me, but let me look at you mm-hmm. and figure out what you need. But tell us, you know, from your perspective, story brand and why that's such a big part of how you do your job, your business. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with story brand, uh, it's a marketing framework and it's uh, been developed by a guy named Donald Miller. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit of the origin of that and then talk probably about how we apply that to the work that we do. Um, but Donald was a best-selling author and in the early two thousands, uh, really took off when he wrote a book called blue like jazz, it's mm-hmm. a New York times bestseller. And, uh, he just, it's a cool book, kind of Seattle based, like philosophy slash theology storytelling book. Um, and it did really well, but, but he wrote several other books that just didn't do as well. And he couldn't figure out why he was kind of defeated. Like, man, I, I had an awesome takeoff, but now I'm not really replicating that. And uh, he has sort of this epiphany moment when he happens to be on an airplane and sits down, sits down next to a lady that has his book on her lap. <laughs> and he's like, all right, this is going to be good. I'm going to do some market research and ask her some questions about the book. And she's, you know, mostly through the book, but through this hour long flight, he discovers she can't tell him the plot. She's missing main points of the book. Mm-hmm. And he, he just realizes like, I can't keep writing. I've got to figure out why I'm not selling and where this has gone off the, the, you know, the tracks. So what he ends up doing is he hits pause, calls, calls publishers. Like, I don't think I can write another book right now. I'm going to come back to you. And he takes a couple of years and starts to study story. He starts to study. Why do things mm-hmm. sell? What makes a good narrative? Why do you things sell off the shelf? What what motivates people to take action? And he begins to discover this seven-part framework that's been around for years and years and years, <laughs> all the way back to Aristotle, basically, in storytelling. Hmm. And it's super easy. It's, it's uh, pretty basic once you get to know it. And I'll give a couple movie examples after I say it. But uh, uh, the, the narrative always starts with the hero right? Hero is the center of the story. And in our world, that's the customer, right? Mm-hmm. The consumer is always the hero. Hero has a problem or they have a pain point. Uh, 
And that pain point can be a number of things. It could be emotional. It could be a physical thing. It could be status. Status, I feel like, is a big thing that drives people to buy something that we don't often talk about. Like, I want to look good or I Mm -hmm. want people to think this about me. So, you know, hero has a problem, pain point, right? But then they need help. They realize I can't solve this by myself. I've got to get help or a coach or a guide from somewhere. So that's step number three is there's a guide that enters the picture, right? And the guide's role, that would be any successful brand or coach or however you want to put it. Um, That brand's role really is to speak to the hero and say, we understand you. We know where you're coming from. We know your pain. We understand your pain. We know why you're here at the store. We know why you're interested in this product. We get that and we can help you. And I feel like that's the role of a good guide is to serve that hero or that consumer well and say, we, we understand you and we've got the solution. So hero has a problem, needs guide. Well, then the guide's role is to deliver a plan of action. And the plan can be as simple as sign up here, get an email, do this, or, you know, one, two, three step, if you will, it could be buy the product, your pain goes away, you live a great life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the, the, there's always a plan it's as simple as it is. A guide's job is to say, Hey, here's your get out of jail card. Here's how you get out of the pain that you're in. Go this way. Well, then what happens is the, the, the hero is not always trustworthy, right? He's going to qualify the guide. He's going to say, why should I trust you? So he's going to look for referrals or reviews on a website or a testimonial of some kind where the guide has done something that the other hero has watched, watched another hero go through the same process and has been successful. So hero has problem, meets guide, gets playing, validation moment, right? And then the hero has got to make a choice. And the choice can go two ways. Either they end up with success and a victory and they bought the product or they did what the guide told them to do and they they win. Or sometimes there's that stubborn moment where they make a bad choice mm. and there's consequences to that. And so sometimes a guide is, and this is where in my line of work with marketing, I really believe in telling the truth, but not manipulation. Mm. And telling the truth would be, hey, if you go that route, there is a cost to it. There's a cost of not buying. There's a cost of inaction. Here's what it is, but take it or leave it, you know, Mm -hmm. do what you want. And I think that's the role of a good guide is to say, Hey, I've been there before. Don't go this route. It's going to (laughs) hurt. Right. (laughs) Sharp rocks at the bottom. You know, those, uh, that's a quote from, uh, the Disney movie. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? He's like sharp, sharp rocks at the bottom. Let's do it. I'm going to get in trouble with my kids now, but no, I don't know. It's Emperor's New Groove. That's what oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. The llama's looking over the waterfall. and the, Anyways. Uh, but the guy's <laughs> rule is to be like, hey, don't go over the waterfall, right? It's going to hurt. Uh, but yeah, that's that's story brain. And so, you know, a lot of what we do as an agency and consulting, honestly, is just reminding people that they're the guide and really helping them to say what they need to say to identify like like that to their consumer. Yeah. Um, too many brands make the mistake of making it about themselves. Look at me, look at our experience, look at our expertise. And most, co- most consumers don't care. They just want to know, can you solve my problem? Mm-hmm. Can you fix right. the pain I'm in? So that's story brand. It's an excellent um, framework for video, for websites, for ads. It's honestly a game changer for anyone that's not familiar with it and how to apply it. 
I mean, it's just it really awesome. Is. I mean, we, we really took from that in naming this podcast, you know, the retail journey and, and we want to be the guides along that retail journey, particularly, um, with, with Walmart. And you are, and you guys are great guides <laughs> and I've seen it in, in, in person and I've seen it work and it's amazing to watch. It's awesome. What are those movies? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> so Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars yeah. is an easy one, right? You have Luke is the hero, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda kind of serve as the guides, right? Uh, and then obviously the problem would be Darth Vader, darkness, and the plan would be learn the force, Luke, learn how to wield a lightsaber and trust your instincts and, you know, pay attention to the inner prompts, your inner convictions and, you know, fight for good. And obviously Luke has to make a choice, good or bad. You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to do here? Another one of my favorites is back to the future. Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Marty is the hero. The professor is, uh, you know, doc is his guide. Um, there's obviously a, a moral conflict throughout the whole thing. Um, Lion King, you could see that uh, Lion King. I mean, I could go on and on and on, yeah. but there's tons of movies that have that kind of that flair to it. <clears throat> Does so. it work the other way? I kind of just throw out a movie and you... Uh, we could try. <laughs> uh, Sandlot. Yep. Sandlot. Yep. That's, a, actually, that's actually a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids love that. Actually, I shouldn't tell. I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I'm going to say it anyways. My kids are obsessed with the scene where the rich kids pull up with you know the Sandlot kids and they yeah. insult each other. Yeah. So sometimes I'll walk in and I'll say, "Hey, butthead!" And I'm like, "Should I laugh or should I just be laugh?" Life too yeah. short. Yeah. All right. So we we are um, we're talking about uh, marketing for emerging brands and mm. maybe with a with a, a flair towards direct-to-consumer DTC brands that mm-hmm. are moving into the mass uh, realm, which we're seeing a lot of today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, story brand uh, and everything we've talked about so far is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your philosophy when when counseling uh, brands mm-hmm. in that position, uh, that they've got a market over here, but they're moving into a new market. It's emerging uh, what are, what are, what are the, the, what's the three, four things that you really need to be focused on and what are, what are the pitfalls that you've seen Yeah, in mm. that process? It's good. Um, I mean, what comes to my mind first is, uh, I think first get your story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you in your story brand? Is your marketing and your content really from the guide position? Or are you just trying to puff yourself up and prove yourself, um, I think if you do it well, if you're humble and you really have your customer's best interests in mind, you're going to take a back seat and put them first and they're going to notice. They're going to pay attention and they're going to they're going to validate you with their pocketbook once they see that your brand truly is about caring for their interests. Mm. So I think that's number 1 is put the customer first always. Start there. Mm. Put yourself <laughs> in their shoes. Yeah. <laughs> live in their world, understand why they're putting things in their, their shopping cart or why they're attracted to you in the first place. I think that's number one. Um, number two, I feel like is, um, be honest and be fun. And I think Mm. being honest means when there is a mistake, you own it, you go, yep, we didn't get that right, but we're working on it. Or you know what? That was an awesome learning experience. We're going to use this to our advantage to develop the next iteration. And I think being fun means like 
have some humor. Mm. Like people love like entertainment right now. I think of TikTok. I think of Instagram. I think of what's trending and YouTube. And there's always an element of wit and kind of playfulness. And that tells a lot about a brand. If you're too serious, people don't want to necessarily, you know, align with you. But if there's sort of this like, hey, we get you and life's not perfect and let's laugh a little bit along the way. And you're not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if you idolize yourself and your product, I think people are like, eh, I'm turned off by that. I don't really know if that's the brand for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if you take yourself too seriously, that that's going to be a turnoff. I think practically speaking um, for emerging brands, um, content is huge. Having great quality content is is key. So there's a couple different layers of that, I'd say. Um, first, you have to have great imagery and great storytelling. So that could be as simple as how is your how is your product photographed? Is it not only in a studio environment with a white box, or do you really like have you really captured it in customers' hands doing mm-hmm. what it should do? And do you have examples of that? Mm-hmm. I think I see too many Amazon products and and Walmart products, and they're bland. I don't think that's that's a fair representation of these products against a white backdrop. I think people want to see a real life example of it being used, being reviewed, even yeah. critiqued, even. Well, pulling it back to story brand. That's the if the customer's the hero, they have to be able to see themselves in the story. Mm-hmm. And brand's mm-hmm. the guide. You got to put your customer in the position of being yeah. the hero. If you just put your own product, you're the hero. Mm-hmm. of your own story, which is a story not told nearly as often as you would probably prefer it to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, yeah. <laughs> Again, do you serve the customer? Are they at the first part of your, when you're creating a product, are they first mm-hmm. or is the profit first? And uh, I think, you know, if you serve well, the profit will come. Um, big book I'm an advocate of. You guys know this is the go-giver. Mm-hmm. Love that book whole premise of that book is if you put people first, you really have their interests at heart, the, the, the profitability, the, the money thing will take care of itself. Mm. And there is a science uh, to pricing things. I'm not an expert in that, but I do think that um, that kind of leads to my next point is you have to have an irresistible offer. Mm-hmm. You have to have a very accurate, articulate way of saying, here's the price, but our value is here. And I think that's a big, thing that's key with with being successful in Walmart and Sam's Club mm-hmm. is having a kick butt offer and the customer feels like when they walk out of the store, they just got a kick butt deal and they they feel almost like, was that okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did I walk out of the store stealing? Or, you know, <laughs> like I think there's there's keys to being, you know, an emerging brand where if you don't have an irresistible offer, if it's not so attractive that they have to take action, then you're probably not gonna disrupt for a while. Yeah. You, you've got to come to the table with a very strong, Hey, we're almost willing to lose just a little bit to, to get our name out there and mm-hmm. to get some momentum. So I think there's some coaching for that. I'd say emerging brands need to, need to have a really good offer and know the, know how their clients make those decisions. You know, is it money motivating them or is it a quality thing mm-hmm. and understand how to communicate how your brain can yeah. answer both those things. Yeah. When, when a products are serving a purpose, and what they're driven by is accomplishing that goal. It comes through, yeah. Every every day, day in day out. And I've seen too many times those brands, especially in the D 2 C world, who have a very different value proposition, 
online trying to come to a space that has the mass appeal like Walmart, Sam's Club, and don't know why they're not hitting it off. Mm -hmm. Because at that shelf or at that decision point, customer does not feel like that offer is irresistible. In fact, they Mm -hmm. resisted it pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One one thing I want to add to the irresistible offer, um, going through, and this this may not speak to every customer, but I feel like it speaks to most, is they want to know how easy is this? And how much does do I have to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. So how easy is it for me to buy this product? And how much work do I have to do to activate it? And I think that's part of the irresistible offer thing is also going, it's not that expensive, or maybe it's expensive for the right reasons, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is easy to use. It's going to make your life better. And it's quick. It's it's quick to relieve that pain. Because sometimes that's, that's the highest motivator for buyers. They're just thinking... This my life sucks without this product. I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the only thing they're thinking through is how fast can the pain go away? Mm-hmm. So I think emerging brands just have to be really clear about what they're doing to make their customers' lives better. And to speak Walmart for a second, save money, live better, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they don't speak to that really quickly, people like their buying decisions happen in a split second. And I think, you know, emerging brands. I hate saying this. A lot of them tend to be mom and pop brands. They're proud of their product. They're proud of, look what we did. And you almost have to sometimes remind them and go, hey, you have made a great answer to this solution or this problem, made a great solution to this problem. But let's take off our look at us hat and Mm -hmm. really make it more about how do we really speak to the consumer Mm -hmm. with what they're dealing with. Um, I almost feel like I'm a counselor sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, those are my, kind of my, I guess, nuggets I'd say for emerging brands. There's uh, always room for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side of the spectrum, like major brands, those that are most successful, where you're seeing it work and where you're seeing them miss, does the same thing hold true? And totally tell us about that. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. We, you know, I want to be careful with what I say. We've, we've, we have NDAs. We worked with some really great brands that are really successful and growing. Um, but I would say, you know, one of my favorite things about a successful brand is they know that they mm-hmm. tend to know their customers so well that they're, they're nitpicking all, all the time and fine tuning how to really activate this little niche area that they're missing. Um, and uh, just to kind of, Quote uh, another podcast that really inter- or really impacted me a couple of years ago. Um, it's the one percent rule. I feel like big brands know how to activate and improve one percent at a time. And uh, I heard this on a podcast. They were talking about the U.S. cycling team um, back when, probably early two thousands when they it was right before they they had Lance Armstrong and before they had won a few times. And they were they were finishing second and third place. And they, they were really just obsessing about how do we get better? How do we win? We're this close. What do we have to do? And uh, what they decided to do as a team, their coaches got together and said, we're going to start to test the 1%. We're going to start to test the things that are normally overlooked. Mm. So they started with sleep. So they started to test the material of the pillows. They started to test the temperature in the room. They started to test the type of fabrics and started to really coach their team on their sleep habits. And then they moved on to the materials that they were wearing while they were riding. 
They started to test, how does this absorb sweat? Does this keep them cool? How aerodynamic is this? Mm -hmm. Is this light? Is this heavy? Whatever it is. But over time, they started to just work on those 1% increases. And I feel like that's what big brands know how to do. They're very, very, very good at that. And I think when you're emerging, you're just trying to get stuff on the shelf. Mm -hmm. When you're a big brand, you've got stuff on the shelf. And it's more about those finite details of critiquing and improving. But yeah, the the U.S. team obviously won a few races. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean. It sounds like obsessive excellence, right? Exactly. If you're you're going to make a 1% improvement, that's pretty obsessive. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You almost have to have a little bit of crazy. (laughs) <laughs> to be successful, mm-hmm. like just a little bit of like, I'm going to work on this until it's near perfect. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of OCD, but I think a lot of big brands are good at that. One other thing I'd say about big brands is, uh, you know, and this plays into your world is, you know, that's part of analytics is reading and, and understanding the decisions that have been made mm-hmm. and understanding the numbers and how to work on that, how to work using those numbers to your advantage on the next round and applying that, you know, uh, forward. So I think, you know, analytics is a huge piece of that. I've seen grow and grow and grow more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, big brands, they, they really have that dialed in and figured out. Well, and big brands know the power of 1%, uh, you know, the bigger the brand, typically the, the lower the percentage of growth, mm-hmm. uh, and every 1% could represent billions of dollars. Yeah. In revenue, that's opportunities, that's factories, that's um, millions of new customers. Yeah. Uh, One thing I just want to appreciate, you know, we've talked about Campbell Creative, a group that's in marketing, and we've talked about solving real problems, not just talking about marketing. Is that an accident or is this on purpose? Uh, Yes. Exactly. (laughs) It's an accidental, purposeful reaction. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's such a space where, to me, trust is such a huge element, and um, seeing how you approach a problem with dissecting it and getting on the side of driving the results, the the outcome that a client and you know from firsthand experience, what we're looking for, what others um, senior work, what they're looking for, much more so than just selling you know more content, more video production, more website design. Um, it's your target. It's what you're aimed at, right? I mean, do I, I know what you're saying. I want to like affirm that. Like anybody can do video. Anybody can put together content. But I don't feel like you're going to be as successful. You're not going to realize the most return from ads mm-hmm. or from that marketing dollar unless you've really spent time honing in on what you're aimed at mm-hmm. and what the messaging is and who you're directing that to. Yeah. And I think that's really our specialty is starting there, asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. sometimes annoying questions, dumb, ask a lot of dumb questions. And, uh, but it's really the, through that process of honing in slowly over time to figure out what matters and why the, yeah. In a meeting the other day, you know, the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, why, mm-hmm. those those questions really are vital to realizing the most return in marketing. And having been on the, the side of the fence where I've had to report to a board and investors and go, this is where the money went this month or this this is our quarter report and having to defend a position and go, we spent it here for these reasons. Um, you know, that investor mindset is really about realizing return. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the marketing that I'm, I'm proud of is going, 
let's start there first. Let's start with intention, and then we'll talk on how this applies and where those, you know, content and ads and those other social initiatives. That's that comes later. Let's talk purpose first. Yeah, that's I, one thing I was I was taken with when we started working together. And I've worked with a lot of good marketers and and, and really strong creative people. But there's a there's a tendency. And, and not just in that industry, but in a lot of them to kind of come in and say, all right, what do you want? And okay, <laughs> I can, I can do that. And here's how much it costs. And it's, you know, it's a transaction that, and sometimes you need transactions. So mm-hmm. not, you know, not dismissing anybody or any other process, but I think it was the first three or four times that we met. There were a lot of questions, but it wasn't what, what image do we want or what logo design do we want? It was, who are you? Who's mm-hmm. your customer? What do you do? How do you do it? Uh, why do people, you know, do business with you? Why do your employees work here? We had a uh, lot of whiteboard conversations. <laughs> yeah. They're my favorite, though, where you just literally you have to you have to do that to be accurate. Is word vomit for a little while, and then heat map is what I call it. Where once you kind of know, once you've got everything out on paper, circle things that really are the most pr- important. What what's prioritizing mm-hmm. to your brand? But yeah, it was an amazing process. Thanks for letting me do that. Well, because yeah. in my case, I'm not a creative guy. I'm a yeah. left brain data nerd. You know, I'm, I'm not going to come up with the. I, I don't know what my logo should look like. Yeah. Right? That's a. <laughs> yeah, I've proved that multiple times, Charles. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you yeah. thinking over there. Yeah, ah, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, I, I can just recall some of the best merchants that I've worked with. Um, I'm seeing a direct analogy to what you just described um, when. They take their category and start breaking it down into like, okay, what's the actual purpose? What's the problem that the customer has that I'm trying to solve with the with the modular program, with the feature program, or now that everything's omnichannel, it's with the website, mm-hmm. it's with item pages, it's with content that's going to exist online. Mm-hmm. How are we helping the hero, which is the customer always, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and squiggly helping them yeah. <laughs> uh, solve their problem and choose the outcome, you know, and get to walk out of the store feeling really good because they were able to find the thing that solved the problem. So I think it matters, you know, not just to brands, small and large, but even as a merchant, when you're thinking about your category strategy, you're thinking about what promotions uh, you're considering, how you're approaching. If you're not thinking of a satisfied customer who solve the problem that's meaningful to them in a way that's the quickest, easiest. You know, anytime I've seen merchants try to change fundamental behaviors of customers, uh, you know, that strategy that was, you know, passionately held, it, it ends up dissipating because the mm-hmm. results didn't come. Yeah. It's difficult to change it at mass scale. But um I think it just brings a tremendous amount of clarity. Yeah. And when you know why you're doing something, you know what you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Because you have conviction as to oh well we're not mm-hmm. this doesn't fall into that mm-hmm. that pathway and and fundamentally as a merchant it's just not about you like yeah. you're a customer but you've got 130 million a week in a Walmart store mm-hmm. you're you're representing or you've got members at Sam's Club um, and I think uh, you know we had a conversation with uh, Jack Ford from Hart and I think he he put it really well because he talked both about the customer or the member that's shopping in the store. And the retailer as a customer, yeah. Which most of the time is a so a merchant who's got certain problems they have to mm-hmm. solve, but ultimately it all comes back to whether or not that person is able to understand how 
you as a brand and the retailer, the context of shopping has products that, that solve problems. Um, so I appreciate the, the process of bringing clarity mm-hmm. and verifying that that clarity exists across the, the ecosystem, everywhere you're mm-hmm. showing up mm-hmm. for the customer. Yeah. I want to add this to this. This has kind of been a new thing for me. I'm, le- I'm learning this more and more to a consumer. I mean, their money matters, right? But their time, mm, yeah, their time is really like, I feel like that is something that we often overlook in marketing. And so how that applies a few different things I'm thinking of is, um, you know, when you have an ad or you're doing a commercial, how fast are you to grab their attention and hook them? How fast? You only mm-hmm. have two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. Or when you're walking through an aisle and the customer picks up your packaging, how fast can they understand what your product does and how it's applied at home or whatever, right? I think those are some things I feel like get overlooked but are so like so crucial to serving that customer because the customer feels like their time is valued and they got some time back in their lives. They'll pay a little extra yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's I mean, that's often overlooked. But another thought too I'm having is – you know, this may be a bad thing to say because like a lot of agencies are going to tell you, you have to spend this much to get this return, right? What I think, I kind of think a reverse of that. I think everyone's probably spending near the same. I think everyone's going to throw money at social media and ads and, you know, you might average a dollar a click on Google or whatever it is, right? I think uh, really as an agency, our job is to go help a brand or help an you know emerging product, whoever that is, realize the most return from those ad dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's like the analytics game. You're looking at conversion. You're looking at how many out of how many clicks do I get a purchase right? Mm-hmm. Out of how many video views? How are people going to take action and engage this brand? I think as an agency, though, our job is to help and go. Okay, so if you spend X amount of dollars and you know you're going to get X amount of clicks how do we get the most results from those clicks? Mm-hmm. And I think it's time. I think it's, again, having an irresistible offer, doing something or, or yeah, telling the customer how when they uh, apply your product or activate it, how easy it's going to make their life. Um, but, but being very clear about those things is how you see that return grow over time. Yeah. Well, if you gain the right customers and they're going to come back. Yes. If you went out yeah. and gained a customer that was wrong, Correct. they're yeah. not coming back. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the value-based agency thing is transaction versus like transactional versus repeat business to get repeat business. You may have to actually not be as profitable. Yeah. You have to earn trust with the customer Mm -hmm. and make some decisions that are going to elevate them and opposed to making a quick buck here or there. Yeah. And the brands that are so good at that, like they stand out. One, one of my favorites is Patagonia. Mm. Patagonia's marketing and style of the way that they communicate is about we're not the cheapest, but we've really like we've made our products to really like last a long time, do good, at, do a great job at what you're expecting them to do. But they're always talking about how they're trying to make their customers' lives better. Mm-hmm. And I think you could, I mean, I could go off on so many brands that are yeah. great. Well, that, that. that was a, that was going to be the next question I asked is, you know, aside from whether it's your client or not, like not, not uh, disclosing things that shouldn't be disclosed, but. Brands that you've seen just in the market. Uh, mm-hmm. What are what are you know a few of those emerging brands that you saw just execute flawlessly mm-hmm. that really stood out to you? 
can I talk one local? Yeah. This isn't, this Do probably it. is a little outside of our retail environment, but, um, our local, uh, coffee shop that's been growing a lot recently down the street. You know what I'm talking about? Which one? Seven brew. Mm. Seven ah, brew. Yes. They've grown like crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there are some other things behind the scenes. I know of certain, you know, people that are involved there, but, um, you know, they've had some help investor wise, but they're doing a really great job. When you pull up to the window, you're greeted really warmly. They're coached on how to engage the customer. Mm. They're coached on being, you know, joyful, being friendly, right? But their customer service is what sticks out to me. Their drinks, you can buy a coffee anywhere, right? Right. You know, their drinks are good, but their their experience, they're fast. Most of the time they're fast. Their customer service is excellent. And you have a you know consistent product, consistent coffee drink that you know is going to be there every single time. And uh, I, I think of them as a great brand that's just done a fantastic job of looking at who their customers are, knowing that their time's valuable. Sitting in a, in a drive-through is horrible, <laughs> <laughs> and they know that it's like torture to people that are high performers. Sitting in drive-throughs, like God, what do I, I got to be there? I'm tired of being here. Right? So they've understood their customer market really well and done a great job serving them and and I think answering a lot of their their wants from a fast coffee place. That know? is interesting. Even Seven Brew, but also looking at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. We live yeah. in a pretty polarized, you know, hateful world or whatever. I get maybe we always have, but you know, we see the things in the media. And those are two really strong brands and Chick-fil-A especially where it's just yeah, it's good, consistent product and it does mm-hmm. taste good. But it's friendly. Yeah. It's kind, and it, yes. and it's the customer that gets the attention. It's you know, there's not a there's not a big ego at the mm-hmm. at the register when you're yeah. when you're making your purchase. Can I pull? This is really kind of nitpicking, but Chick Fil A and Seven Brew. One thing you'll notice about both those brands, they have more people working there than any other like minded mm. brand. Hmm. Go to another f- fast food, another drive through Starbucks. That's a great point. There, it's interesting, but it's a fact. I, in my opinion, I think they have invested in having more team members available, which is a big return because they're getting people in and out of the drive through faster. Chick-fil-A is the same way, but their level of service is higher, right? Mm-hmm. Most companies would pull back and say, oh, we have to cut back payroll. We have to make the numbers look like this, each franchise. But those are franchises that I want to be like, um, you know, because I think they're they're putting the service first. And you can see it visibly when mm. there's extra people running around yep. doing things, trying to be quick about it. So it is interesting it. with cost cutting where it's uh, it's treated like it's a zero sum game, but you cut too deep, you start losing productivity, mm-hmm. your revenue drops, and now you're you're cutting revenue and profit, not mm-hmm. just not just cost. Full circle on that. Instead of reducing the cost per click, get a better return for the click. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. They're doing that. Yeah. So instead of trying to reduce labor, it's mm-hmm. It's have the right outcome that the customer wants, fast, friendly service that they can expect yeah. every time, day in, day out, and yeah. a drive through line that moves heroically fast. <laughs> yes, um, 100%. As you go through it. Anybody can make a chicken sandwich. Anybody can make a mm. coffee, but do they feel like their time was valued? Was it quick? Was it excellent? I think those are brands that I, I see that easily on them, and I'm like, yeah, the way to go. Good job. You put the customer first, for sure. 
And CPG brands can do that by identifying the need of the of the shoppers, their consumers, yes. and really yeah. meeting those meeting those needs. Yeah. Any uh, particular pitfalls, uh, without naming names, but uh, brands that that you know had the great following, maybe it was on QVC, maybe it was you know their their direct to home, uh, good product had had the opportunity and just kind of. <laughs> at least on <laughs> at least on the first uh, the first entry you know yeah. uh, uh, that and maybe yeah. they learned from it and they they made improvements down the road but yeah sure i want to be careful what are those pitfalls? i don't want to talk trash about any brand but, no, no no but what are the pitfalls yeah, that cause I, yeah that i think that to happen? yeah i think um trying to oversell i think that's that's a big pitfall of brands that are trying to they're, they're spending too much time looking at their competition going, yeah, we have to tell the other, we have to tell our consumer how much better we are. Mm. And I think when you become so distracted with that, you forget the consumer, you forget why they're looking at your product in the first place. Yeah. And I do think there is a fight to be had. You, you do have to engage in that way and differentiate, but it's not. Yeah. But it's, but again, it's truth telling. It's, it's not the not, primary signal. Yeah. It's not look at those guys. They stink. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Hey, we really want to take take care of you, and we we really are looking at what you care about. I like uh, it's Death Wish Water. Isn't that called Death Wish? What's it called? Oh, Death Water. Liquid or, Death. Uh, Liquid Death. Liquid Death. Liquid yeah, death. Yeah, Not yeah. Death Wish. <laughs> Liquid Death yes. Water. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm sorry, what just happened? You have this massive. What a cool brand. can design, by the way. And it's so, a cool looks can design. So, and so I've been. Like, to it looks tr- badass. Yeah, yeah, it looks like, incredible. Totally does. I want to drink this. Right, yeah. and it's just this random. Like I assumed it was an energy drink when the first time I saw it, and then I found out it wasn't. I was like, "Oh, that's super neat." And then at trade shows since then, I've seen a bunch of call it psychotic other brands can probably designs. react like, react "Oh, I'm going to do this yeah. crazy yeah. can design." It's like, "Oh, well, you're you started because of a, a motivated opportunity looking at someone else, whereas they started at like, why is water so dumb?" <laughs> like, why can't water be better yeah. and more exciting and yeah they found a way to make water badass well and even making yeah. a can instead of a bottle you know most water out there maybe mm-hmm. all water except uh liquid death or death mm-hmm. wish if, if death trying. wish we gotta get some death wish water <laughs> up in here yeah i love it no i love that i love that brand example they've done a great job next um, episode we're gonna have liquid death um, yeah well they realize unless you want to come like come tell us about the journey i'm sure it's been fun yeah oh, they, they realize we have to identify with the manly men that don't want to carry on a dinky little water bottle and they nailed it this is a splash <laughs> of water for for me yeah yeah absolutely awesome all right speaking of death wish is it lightning round let's do it hit me do i, I okay well um what what's the best movie you've seen recently sean Oh man, uh, it's not too recent. Actually, I'll, I want to name two. Yeah, you did just have a baby, so it yeah, doesn't have to be yeah. recent. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so there's a a new movie out called Sisu or Sisu. Don't forget that if it's how you, you know, describe it. I will warn you, it's a killing movie, but it's awesome. And it's about a guy who takes on a tank battalion. Actually, kind of true in some senses is end of world war two Germans are going back to, uh, uh, home and, and I think it's in Denmark is where the film takes place, but he's like incredible and basically just like fights like John wick style, but world mm. war two kind of. Wow. So another one is Dune. I love the movie Dune. I think it's the new star Wars. The plot is incredible. The cinematography is amazing. 
the color design, it, it was nominated for a lot of awards. And in our field, like we do a lot of, you know, video production, cinema quality, right? All the guys that are nerds were just like, yes, this is our movie. Mm-hmm. They get us soundtrack. Everything was just like, well, this is some awesome. Some would argue it's the original Star Wars, right? Didn't yes, they, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Star Wars that didn't take off. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, but now that it's been redone, everything about it is just beautiful. I love it. Awesome. What are you reading? Or are you reading? Yeah, right I am. I'm, probably, a, well, with like, a newborn, I'm trying to sleep, James. <laughs> yeah, with a newborn, it's a little hard. But I actually read, uh, I try to read three or four books at a time. Hmm. I, I get a little bored. Um, and so I jump back and forth between different books. Um, I'm currently listening, again, to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, love that book mm-hmm. by Robert Kiyosaki. It's it's just good for investing, good for uh, business ownership. Um, on the side, we do real estate development, and then I'm actually looking at a franchise purchase right now. So we invest in other things, my wife and I. But it's just really healthy just to go back to the basics of how do you make a good investment? How do you buy an asset mm-hmm. and limit your liabilities, all those things? So um, great book, changed our life years ago, helped us really choose some different paths on debt and how do we approach business and, and, you know, try to be lean when we can and invest heavy when we think it's a, it's the right move. Um, so I'm, I'm listening to that one. I uh, just wrapped up a book, uh, on apprenticeship to Jesus. That's a great book, great spiritual book. That's been helping me just be more prayerful and, uh, aware of that. And then I'm actually reading a parenting book right now on how to, uh, I might miss read the title, but it's, um, how to create kind, uh, kids. Hmm. And it's really, it's honestly like a counseling book. I'm having to go back, go, Oh man, <laughs> I've messed up or, yeah. you know, but it's really helping me have. to learn how to connect with my kids yeah. hmm. and try to love them well. And they're all different. Um, but it's been a great healthy book for me to just kind of rethink parenting and kind of take, take away what I've learned and in, in, from my past and, hit the reset button in different ways mm-hmm. as well. So, but yeah, those are three books That's I'm so good. kind of in right now. So we, we often ask what's your biggest win in retail. Uh, so maybe not totally applicable, but what's something your team's done that you're most proud of? Man. Something that just, yeah. just delighted you <laughs> to no end. Yeah. I'll talk about a product, a project we did last year. Um, we, uh, did a project with a celebrity, uh, and, uh, it was a very big, uh, product project for us. It required a lot of teamwork, late night stress. Um, and it ended up, uh, you know, being a national campaign, uh, for, uh, Walmart and general mills hmm. is with, uh, Kenan Thompson. Oh, it yeah. was the celebrity. And, uh, it was a cool experience just working with him, working with both teams at Walmart and general mills. And, uh, it was really about box tops. It's about for the box tops yeah. program. So what a great program that gives back to schools and teachers and kids. And that's, I mean, when I think about projects that are really purposeful, that really are about yeah. giving back to community or, or doing good. Um, I'm really proud of that project. Cause I feel like it, it was a fun way to sort of illuminate their program and, and uh, really share about just the joy of giving back to community and making that, kind of a cool thing. So that's really that awesome. was a fun project that we did. I'd call that a win, a learner. We learned a lot through it too. <laughs> a learner. Yeah. We did a lot of, a lot of stuff through it, but, uh, it was a great project. Yeah. Very cool. I, I got to see a few of those commercials too. Didn't realize uh, that was a uh, Campbell creative. How about it? All right. 
Well, thanks a lot, Sean. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully we can get you on here again uh, on a different topic one of these days. Uh, but thank you as well for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe. We'd love to hear from you from our website, through LinkedIn. What are your thoughts? What are topics you'd like to hear? Uh, what are corrections you need to make for the record of things that we said today? Uh, and you can find all of our episodes on highimpactanalytics.com.